Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Although this is the second Sunday in the season of Advent, it is still only the the first Sunday in the month of December. And after putting up all my emotional walls and and blinders to all the store displays and, and commercials that started advertising for Christmas a full two months ago, I'm finally willing to let my guard down and begin the yearly process of personally preparing to celebrate our Lord's birth and all that it brings. How about you? What are some of the ways and some of the things that you do every year in order to prepare? Perhaps you're like my family. Perhaps you've begun to get ready by putting up decorations. Now, my family's in a little bit of a, of a different situation this year. We're actually getting ready to, to close on our new house this week. So we've been split between this temporary space and our coming new home this Christmas season. So decorations seem a little bit tenuous. But that's one of the first things that I look forward to every year after Thanksgiving, getting to put out the decorations and putting up the lights and getting to put up the Christmas tree. Well, perhaps you have some other family traditions, special music that you play or attending get-togethers or school programs or other yearly activities. As we mentioned, my family really enjoyed getting to partake in Celine's Christmas parade. I know many of you were there as well. There's also a lot going on at church every year. We have our midweek Advent services going on on Wednesday nights. The children's program is coming up. Special events taking place all throughout Advent. Of course, we have those Advent devotions out on the table in the narthex. We're encouraging every family to take one, and it helps us spend some more time in this important season in God's Word. And so all of these things put together are are all part of the process of helping us prepare for the celebration of our Lord's arrival, our Lord's birth on Christmas Day. And it's good and it's right that we do all of these things. As long as we aren't getting too busy or too frustrated with with all we have to do to the point where we lose sight of, of what it is that we're doing and why we're doing it in the first place. We're doing these things to prepare ourselves to celebrate our Lord's arrival. And you know, that's what we find in our gospel reading today from Luke chapter 3, was that, was that this was what John the Baptist was doing. His job was to prepare the people in his day. He was preparing God's people for the Lord's arrival. Now, the prophet Isaiah prophesied that that John the Baptist would come some 700 years before he actually did. And Isaiah said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And so John was that voice crying out in the wilderness, and his job was to prepare the people for the advent of Jesus. And how did he do it? What did John say that people should do in order to prepare to see God's salvation? Well, Luke tells us what John says. There were were two main things that John said and did. First, John proclaimed a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And then when people were asking John what it was that they should do, he said, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. John told them it's not going to be enough to say, well, we have Abraham as our father. 
In other words, thinking that you're just fine based on who you are or what your lineage is. Rather, John said, it's about living a life of repentance. But what does a life of repentance look like? And what does it have to do with getting ready for Jesus? Well, you see, this question is very important still to us today because although we are living on the other side of Jesus' first advent, as we've heard the past several weeks in church, we know that Jesus has also told us to stay ready, to stay awake for his second advent, that we know Jesus is coming back again. And that's why John's words to the people in his day are extremely important to us in our day. And what we find is that it's still all about a life of repentance. Now, when you hear the word repent or repentance, what first comes to mind? For many people, it has to do with, with feeling overly guilty or regret over past sins. For others, maybe those who are familiar with a Roman Catholic background, it may conjure up the act of penance, going to a priest, confessing your sins, and then doing works of penance. But that's not really what true repentance is. John the Baptist is telling us more than that. Our Lutheran confessions, that is the, the teachings of the Lutheran Church, says that repentance is made up of two equally important parts. First, it does involve sorrow and contrition, sometimes even terror, over our sin. And some people say, well, I don't like to feel guilty about sin. Well, you can't repent of your sins without realizing how serious and how devastating they truly are. Otherwise, we end up taking God's grace for granted. And so we do truly confess our sins in sorrow. But here's the key. We don't stay in that sorrow forever. God doesn't want us wallowing or despairing in our sin. Otherwise, we would never find any comfort. Instead, when we are convicted by God's word of our sin, of the seriousness of our sin, and are sorrowful for them, well, then we are ready for the second part of repentance which is faith. In other words, we believe in the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and the forgiveness of all of our sins. We believe that we are forgiven and that grace is obtained through Jesus Christ. Such faith, our confession state, comforts our hearts that may have been sorrowful, may have even been in terror over the realization of our sin, and that gospel good news finally puts our hearts at peace. Jesus gives us peace. And that is true repentance. John the Baptist went into the wilderness to preach to the crowds, the, the same wilderness that their ancestors had wandered in for so long before, by, before being led by God into the promised land. And John, what John was doing was calling the people into a renewed relationship with their God. Not that, not that God had forgotten them, but that they had so often forgotten their God. 
And so John was calling them to repent, to turn around, to enter into the, the same river that their ancestors had crossed and be baptized into a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of their sins so that they too might be ready to see all of the promises that God had made for them as well. Specifically, the promise of a Savior. By doing all this, John was preparing the way of the Lord by calling God's people into repentance and getting them to ready to receive their Savior. The Savior who would do everything necessary to pay the entire debt for all of their sins so that they may know God's forgiveness and be welcomed by him through faith, by grace, in God's own Son, Jesus Christ. You see, what I find so fascinating about, about those two parts of repentance, which is, again, sorrow over sin and also faith to believe that we are forgiven, those two parts are perfectly embodied by these two people that Luke, in his gospel up to this point, has spent us preparing to see. That is, John the Baptist and Jesus. John was preaching repentance that people should turn from their sin, and he was pointing them towards getting ready to receive the coming Messiah. And then Jesus Christ does arrive. He is the Lamb of God, as John says, who takes away the sins of the world. He is the perfect sacrifice so that we might believe that our sins are forgiven. But the question still remains then, what does this mean for us? What does this look like in year 2021? What does it mean as we are getting ready not only to celebrate our Lord's first advent at Christmas, but as we also prepare for what we also know is coming, which is his second advent when he returns again? Well, let's look one more time at what happened with John. As we heard about, John not only talked about repentance for the forgiveness of sins, but also bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. And once we recognize and admit to God that we are sinful and unclean and, un and, and in need of his forgiveness, and then after we receive that forgiveness freely given by God through his son, Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection, well, then that mercy and grace that has been shown to us can't help but bring forth fruit in our lives. And that's what John was telling the crowd. Three times we hear about three different groups coming to John and, and, and asking him, well, John, what does this mean for us? What does this look like for me? What should we do? And so first, John talks about those who have extra clothes or extra food to share with those who have none. And then John tells some tax collectors that they should do their job not collecting any more than they ought to. And then finally, John tells some soldiers that they should fulfill their duty as soldiers, not using their power to extort others, but rather being content with their wages. Now, what John was telling the people was actually quite extraordinary when you think about it, because it's so extraordinary because it's so ordinary. Remember what the people must have been thinking at this time. 
Isaiah told them 700 years ago that when John comes, the people would be getting ready to meet the Lord, that all flesh was about to see the salvation of the Lord. And then John comes and he tells them that the Lord is almost here. So get ready, repent and believe in the good news, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Otherwise, every fruit that does not, every tree that does not bear fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And then the people were responding and saying, okay, John, we want to get ready. We want to live this life of repentance and be prepared so what does that look like for me they must have been thinking that God was going to tell them to do some some extraordinary thing in an extraordinary show of devotion and faith but John responds and he says simply do your job well live out your God-given vocation to your family and to your community and even a stranger Share what you have been given by God. Do your work and be content. Show God's extraordinary love in otherwise ordinary situations. These are the fruits of repentance. This is how you stay ready to meet your Lord. It's so ordinary that I wonder if people thought John, who was kind of this crazy guy living out in the wilderness with camel's hair and eating locusts and all of that, if they began to thought that he truly was crazy. But you see, that's what God tells us to do as well. Again, we are his people waiting to meet our Lord face to face. And this time Jesus isn't coming in humility. He's not coming as a baby in a manger He's not going to be hanging on a cross. No, when Jesus comes again, he will be coming in power and glory and he will raise us from the dead to live with him forever. Heaven and earth will meet in him. We will meet him. And the question is, how do we prepare? How do we wait? How do we stay ready? How do we live a life of repentance? How do we bear fruit in keeping with repentance? And so the Lord says to us, quite simply, do your job well. Live out your God-given vocation to your family, to your community, and even a stranger. Share what you have been given by God. Do your work and be content. Show God's extraordinary love in otherwise ordinary situations. These are the fruits of repentance. And this is how you stay ready to meet your Lord. If you are a parent or a grandparent, build into your children and your grandchildren, especially the things that matter in this life, especially things pertaining to their faith, make that a priority. If you are a child, honor and cherish your parents. If you are a spouse, honor and cherish your spouse. If you are an employee, do your work well. Don't try to do more than what God has given you to do. Don't cheat. Don't steal. Be content. Trust that God will provide for your every need. If you are a student, do your homework. Study hard. Glorify God by what you do. If you are a citizen, be a good citizen. If you are a church member, be a good church member. If you are a neighbor, be a good neighbor. If you are a friend, be a good friend. You see, we've talked about this in our Sunday morning Bible study about vocation, that whatever your vocation is, whatever your God-given station in life is, that is what we are to do. 
We don't have to go searching for something extraordinary that God hasn't, in fact, given us. The Christian life is not this extraordinary obligation that only a few can accomplish. Instead, God calls all of us to love and to serve the people who surround us right where we are right now. And we bear fruit in our lives, not for our own benefit or to get right with God or something like that. We don't need to do that, thanks be to God. We don't need to earn anything. Jesus has earned everything for us. Instead, what our various vocations in life do is help us bear fruit, uh, the fruit of repentance in keeping with repentance, bear fruit for others. It's not for us. We don't need it. Our love and our service is for our neighbor. We glorify God as we serve our neighbor. And this then is the extraordinarily ordinary way in which God calls us to live our lives. It is a life of repentance. As we do this each and every day, we will be preparing ourselves. We'll be preparing ourselves to to celebrate at Christmas our Lord's first advent when he came to save us. But more than that, we will also be preparing ourselves for his second advent when we will meet him again living a life of love and service and repentance until the day we meet him face to face and our own eyes will see the salvation which he already has prepared for us. It's a life as simple as that, and it's a life as well as full as that. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.